Um, so for the Farming Profit Program, um, it's to deliver informative events um, that are relevant to farmers in the Southland region. Um, the steering committee actually met on Tuesday night um, and we have started to organise two field days um, between mid and end July. So um, please keep an eye out for those and if you're interested, um, come along. Uh, if you have any questions or any topic ideas, please get in touch with myself or Olivia. Um, we're always open for ideas. Um, so today, Susan Kilsby, um, she's an ANZ Agriculture Economist um, and she will be covering three topics today. A general outlook for the future of the agriculture industry. Um, what are the trends she's seen in other sectors? Um, and how do Southland farmers prepare their farming businesses for a recession? Um, so just before we get into that, I'd just like to um, say a statement that I read in the ODT um, a couple of weeks ago, which I think is um, very relevant and a little bit scary, but um, it said 70% of New Zealanders wouldn't be able to meet basic financial commitments beyond a short period of time if they lost income or a job. Um, and 30% of that 70% wouldn't be able to last more than a month. Um, so that's pretty scary. And I think today is really relevant of how we um, set up our businesses to survive a recession. Um, so with that in mind, I'll hand over to you, Susan. Brilliant. Thanks, thanks so much, Megan. And, and thanks to everyone who's, um, who's joined today. So um, I thought firstly I'll just you know have a little bit of a talk about what we're seeing in the um, the global markets at the moment, the global economic markets, and then what that really means for um, us as farmers in New Zealand. And I mean, we're at the moment we're going through this aftershock or the the shock I, 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 uh, of um, COVID nineteen and how it's impacting um, our day to day lives and and our economies. And while um, here in New Zealand we've we've kind of moving through, um, come out of the real strict lockdowns, and we're moving through the levels, we what um, what we haven't yet seen is is the the real economic shock of this. So we've seen the kind of the physical and the health shock, but we haven't seen um, the full economic shock yet. That um, that certainly um, still to come, um, in, in a lot of sense. So. Um, and, and that's that's you know that's the same globally, and in every you know different countries around the world are you know handling this differently, and um, the speed at which they're getting on top of the health concerns um, is, is varying considerably. But it kind of feels like a little bit at the moment we're sort of in the, the the eye of the storm. We've gone through this lockdown, we've come out, things feel a lot more normal again, but then we've still got kind of this economic um, flow-on shock um, occurring. And to put a bit of perspective around the, the, the scale um, of the impact this is having um, on global economies, um, it, you know, it, it's, it's about twice as large or, or even more or even slightly greater than that than what the GFC was. So it's, you know, it is massive. Um, there is potential that we may come out of this quicker. So it might be a, a shorter and sharpest um, shock. But that really, really depends on how quickly different countries get on top of these health um, 
challenges that they're having, whether we have additional second waves of the virus, um, you know, how, how big that is, and you know, how quickly they can come up with a vaccine. And, and all of those things are real unknowns, and you know, neither you nor I are going to be able to answer those questions in, in a hurry. So you know, what we do know is that there's a massive shock happening at the moment, and we're not sure how long it's going to take to, to, um, to come right, really. Um, so what we're what we're seeing in the in the sense of the the export markets and, and particularly the food that we export um, from New Zealand is that they have food you know food consumption hasn't been hit as hard as you know many other sectors um, and that's you know that's simply because we do have to eat um, but the reality is we don't have to eat expensive food we don't have to eat high end cuts we don't have to eat at restaurants we don't have to have that service aspect and that's really where we're seeing the biggest challenges happening at the moment. And, and that's playing through in the prices that we're getting for, you know, for our various meat cuts. So we're the likes of, you know, French racks and, and um, a lot of the venison cuts, which tend to be consumed in restaurants, they tend to be consumed in, um, in, in developed countries. They are really, um, you know, they're really struggling and the, the price of those have dropped considerably. Whereas some of the more basic products, some of our dairy products, um, um, you know, grinding beef, um, lamb flaps, etc., um, are holding up, a, you know, a little bit better. And that's because they're not sort of priced as highly. Um, some of these things are a little bit easier to prepare in the home. Um, so, you know, what we're, in that sense, we're seeing a bit of variation. But in general, our, um, our food sectors aren't being hit quite as hard as, um, as some other sectors. But saying that we, we can't escape this massive global economic shock. It's, um, you know, it's massive and we, it, it, it's going to affect, affect us all. Um, in terms of the other trends that we're seeing coming out at the moment and, and slightly longer term, um, food safety is becoming an, an increasing concern. It's always been a really big concern in, um, in the Asian nations. Um, and that's mainly because you have to be a lot more wary of what you do consume. You can't assume that just because a product's for sale, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be safe, like we can here in New Zealand. We sort of have the luxury of going to the supermarket, buying anything off the shelves and assuming, you know, it won't kill us, basically. Um, you don't have that luxury in a lot of those Asian markets, so they are a lot more wary about where product comes from um, and how it's being produced. Um, and that how things are being produced trend is just um, growing and, and, and that's going to be a lot of the value in what we sell um, going forward is really going to be around how, how products are produced. Um, we have, you know, we do have an advantage in New Zealand in, in that sense that we, the way we produce food um, generally um, is quite well aligned with um, people's values. So they like the way we produce food. But in a lot of cases, they don't understand the differences or um, that value is not necessarily carried along, along with the product. So that's one of our, you know, our big opportunities and also our big challenges going forward is around um, those trends. Um, so, I mean, that, that sort of plays into, I mean, sustainability in general is, you know, a massive, um, a massive trend, whether that's, you know, environmental sustainability, whether it's how we're, how we're treating our, our stock, um, financial sustainability, um, it's, it's, you know, it really, it really does flow into, um, I guess, you know, 
it's becoming much more to the forefront of the way we everybody's thinking about things um things going and, and you know that will only um increase um going forward so you know in that sense we we are seeing that sort of ongoing trend um around i guess a greater understanding of, of how things are done on farms and then trying to extract that value value going forward so, so that's some of the, um, you know, the bigger trends we're seeing. Um, in terms of where things are going um, for, for pricing, um, in, in the shorter term, we are seeing a, um, I, I guess we're not seeing particularly um, strong outlook for pricing. Um, we do expect to see, you know, a small um, lift in, in at the, um, and schedule prices or at the farm gate level um, and prices through the winter as, as some of those winter premiums kick in. But we're really expecting um, not a lot of lift and certainly a lot smaller lift than what we've seen um, in previous years. Um, and that's really been driven because the international prices are just trending down quite sharply at the moment. And at the moment, um, we're also seeing the New Zealand dollar um, being persistently high. Um, and so we've got, you know, both those things are moving out of our, out of our favour. Um, there is a little bit of room for um, a slight further lift um, in, in land prices um, and um, and beef um, prices, but it's it, there's there's not a lot there um, really. Um, and the only reason there's sort of anything there is because that gap did get a, um, a lot wider. Um, sort of a few months back where international prices were still strong, the dollar was low and, and scheduled prices here were low um, when there was, a, you know, when the processes were struggling to keep up with, with processing. Now that that situation is reversed, we will see a little bit of procurement pressure, um, but the underlying markets don't, um, don't support, you know, prices um, a lot higher than where, where prices are today. Cool, thanks Susan. Um, we might just have a wee break for questions if anyone has some, um, put them up in the chat box. Um, I have a couple here. So the second half of 2020, um, what do you predict the commodity market to do in the season ahead? So in terms of you know the, the commodity markets or um, if, we, if we take lamb um, for starters, um, I expect we'll see a continuing um, fall in the price of some of those those higher value cuts. Uh, I, I just can't see that trend um, really reversing in in the shorter term. Even even with sort of some of the lockdowns coming to an end and, and economies opening up a little, I just don't think we'll see people flocking back to um, restaurants like we have um, have seen previously. Um, I mean, we've sort of got a little bit of an example of that in China where they, they, they sort of, um, I guess, got through those lockdowns earlier, although they've come back on in some areas. But um, what we saw there in, in Shanghai was, you know, a few months ago, everything could be opened up again. Um, but people were still quite wary about the health risks there um, and then just the economic consequences they were more worried about their jobs so they weren't flocking back back to those those restaurants um, I think the Western world in general is probably a little bit more blase about the health concerns and we, we you know not necessarily um, so worried about that. You see some of those um, uh, social gatherings in the US and you think, well, they're not, it's hardly forefront of mind, um, the health concerns for, us, for some of those people. Um, 
but that is going to you know keep putting downwards pressure on some of those so some of those prices um i have the more basic commodities we, you know we don't there isn't an oversupply of protein in the world at the moment so that will help you know underpin prices to some extent um, but saying that, you know, we, I mean, the only real reason beef prices were so high for so long was that there was a real backlog of stock waiting to be processed in, in many regions. Um, that is starting to ease, um, say, in the US, still have some processing issues in, in Brazil and some of the other big beef pr producing regions. Um, so that's going to kind of fluctuate going through. So we may see some opportunities, but in general, um, I just don't think, um, you know, there's nothing to really drive prices stronger, and you know we're expecting the dollar um, to persist at around um, around that sort of 65 cent level against the US dollar, and um, right through the rest of this year um, now. And um, so that's really going to take the edge off returns um, back at back at the farm gate level. Cool. We have um, another question here. Um, you said well, there's been some queries about um, how people are looking to New Zealand. Um, as a food safety kind of country. Um, are we doing enough to put that message out? And if not, who needs to promote it? Like, how do we um, capture that market better? Yeah, um, I mean, I don't think we're doing doing enough. Um, the, it has heightened with this um, at the moment, and it actually creates quite an opportunity for us. The fact that we're doing a better job of managing um, COVID-19 than, than many other countries around the world, it actually sort of plays into our images being um, being clean and green and safe. Um, it, and it really doesn't matter whether the disease can or can't be transferred through food or not. It, it, it's a perception that people have that, you know, that really, really matters. Um, I think it's a huge challenge. Um, particularly for our bigger meat processes around um, how they, I think, firstly, tell the firstly get those messages back to us at the farm gate level um, and, and provide, a, provide an incentive to deliver the, um, to, to, you know, do things on farm and to be able to, um, I guess, document that well enough that that links through to um, what consumers want. Um, we can we can just tell, tell a general New Zealand story about how we do things in general here, and that that goes some of the way. But I think you know, go to really extract that value. It, it will come right down to um, to needing um, one needing needing some form of proof, but then also telling those sort of soft fuzzy stories around things and connect, you know people connecting with where their where their food's coming from, and I think that's you know that's a real magic and that's a real value going forward, and it, it's not easy to do, but I mean we've got. Um, it, it really does have to feed through um, the meat processes because that, that's the connection there, really. Um, unless, you know, at an individual farm level, um, we're going direct to consumers. Well, that's, that's, that's fine. And there will be the odd person who sort of has, has set up that are um, more in that way. But the majority of us aren't, um, aren't set up to do that. So we do need to see things go through the, through the processes. Um, I mean, even in the dairy industry, they had a real opportunity to do this a few years back with um, around grass-fed butter. They didn't push it because they were scared that 
people would come back and say, hey, but you're feeding a bit of PKE to those cows. It's, it's not, it's not grass-fed. Um, I think the risk of that was pretty, pretty minimal given, you know, you had the Irish pushing it and their cows are indoors for a lot of the year. So, you know, it's not like they were only being fed um, solely on a, on a pasture diet. But I think it's, it's, it, it, it's being, um, if you can have the proof behind it, that will add to it. But, you know, just explaining what's already happening is, is going a long, a long way towards it. Um, but I think we will have to accept in the future that that will come as part of our pricing going forward. There will be extra value attached if we can, if, if there is more of that proof around how things are produced on farm. Um, and which, you know, will, will mean more records and more audits and, 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 and things like that. But um, I think there is some real opportunities with technology that we're just not exploiting at the moment and we're leaving value on the table because we um, aren't, aren't selling that aspect of what we're doing. We're selling the product, not the story. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's everyone's job to push the industry and processes and whoever can to get our story out there. Hmm. Um, we have another question here. Um, do you see any supply issues with getting our products into other countries? Or is it a case of producing as much as we can um, sustainably, obviously, as the demand will still be there with minimal logistical restrictions? Yeah, um, I mean, to be honest, the logistics have gone better than people hoped. Like, we had those challenges earlier getting product processed through China and through ports in China just because there weren't workers there. But elsewhere, things have gone okay. I don't think, you know, it hasn't been completely complete smooth sailing, but it, it, it has been um, okay. And we've had enough sort of... I guess enough clout with some of our big exports, um, particularly through things like the Kotahi partnership, which, you know, Frontier and Silverfield Farms are both involved in, that we're getting the ships coming to New Zealand and a freak, you know, pretty frequently. We're, I mean, there is the odd sailing that gets cancelled, um, but on the whole, we're not experiencing probably as big a challenges as some other regions have done um, through this. What we don't have available any longer, really, is the air, is the air freight. Um, I mean, sure, there's the odd cargo flight and, um, you know, in New Zealand is going to start to fly to Shanghai once a week and things like that, but nothing like what we had before. So that's really um, increased the cost of, of sending anything on air freight. And it means those short-term opportunities that may come available in different markets because of all this disruption that we're seeing in different markets, it's really, really hard to forecast. You can't really take advantage of that if you can't put something on a, on a plane and fly it to the flight to market. So that's, that's where it's getting really, you know, much, much more challenging. Um, but, um, you know, so far, um, the actually, actually getting our product into market has been, you know, has been reason, reasonably good um, so far. So, you know, um, a lot of good work being done there, really, um, to, get, to get product in there. I think we might um, move on to the next section, but so what are the trends um, that you're seeing in different sectors um, in general, but also in terms of investment? Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's a really interesting time at the moment. I, I guess every every sector is is struggling. Um, you know, right, if we think about, you know, different areas of investment in New Zealand and what we're seeing um, through the bank is, you know, most most areas are, are struggling. 
Um, I guess the biggest risks um, sort of sit, have been sitting more around the commercial property side side of things. I mean, that does really depend on um, whether you've got a tenant and who your tenant is. Um, but that's that's an area that um, we're expecting to see quite a bit of downwards pressure on. Um, and some of that's been driven to, you know, by companies needing less office space going forward. We're seeing a lot more people working from home. It's becoming normal. Um, I know as, you know, as a bank, we have plans to reduce office space because we weren't even fully utilising it before this and now we've got more people working in a more flexible manner um, going forward. So that, that are areas, you know, uh, will be under quite a lot of pressure. Um, in terms of, you know, housing prices in general, we're expecting to see um, house prices come back by sort of anything sort of um, 10, 12, 12% or so. Um, and in the next um, 12 months or so, um, hasn't really happened yet because we've had um, a lot of people um, either taking um, repayment holidays if they needed to, or um, or they've been getting, um, or there's been a lot of wages subsidised through the through the government schemes, and those subsidies are only just starting to come to an end now. So it's not going to play out for a, you know, it'll be more towards the end of 2020 or even into 2021 that we're starting to expect to start to see that sort of downwards pressure on house prices as more and more people find they just can't afford what, um, you know, can't afford housing. So, and that, that will play out differently in different different regions, but, you know, that trend is, is expected to continue. Um, we've seen a real, uh, some, a lot more strength in the um, share market than we expected to see. Um, and this is sort of happening everywhere in the world, but you do kind of wonder how long that can persist. It does feel like, um, Every time we get a glimmer of, of good economic news anywhere, um, the share market jumps up and our, our New Zealand dollar is, is closely following that as well. Um, whereas the, the, the more negative news seems to be sort of being largely ignored by those markets. Um, but as, as time moves on and some of those companies, those listed companies really struggle to deliver deliver profits and there's you know no dividends and we, start, we will start to see that market correct, I believe, at, at some point as well. So, I mean, there's kind of risks in, risks in all sectors. Um, in terms of, um, I guess, um, in, in terms of at the, at the farm level, we're still expecting to see um, ongoing um, falls in, in the price of dairy land. Um, it, it, it really sort of depends where, where you value land at, um, but, you know, there's been so few sales, um, but prices are definitely um, trend, trending back, and I don't think that's going um, to change for, for quite some time, um, not really until we see um, some of the, the environmental rules fully bedded in, which um, I do believe are going to have a bigger impact on, on the dairy industry than um, most of, you know, than, than other other land uses, um, and that, you know that is going to have a flow-on effect into you know our sheep and beef sector, and the and the sense that, that that demand for winter grazing is probably going to be less. I mean, this is a bit of a, an exception this year where <laughs> winter grazing prices are um, incredibly high, but I just don't think you know the, that will continue um, going forward. I, I do think we'll see less support. Um, um, demand for um, support blocks or, or to be grazing young stock um, than what we've what we have seen in the past. Um, it'll, you know, it's not going to change overnight, but I think that trend is going to keep um, keep trending down a little bit. Um, 
and so so yeah and so in terms of that sort of investment um that's you know that's sort of where we're seeing you know seeing things going um in, in general um i mean in the current current climate i mean there will be some opportunities and always in a downturn it does um it does create opportunities you know prices are cheaper um it'll get easier to get um electricians and plumbers and things like that and at some point in some of these services um so there is opportunities um but what we, I mean, what we've seen generally, and and this probably replaced, applies to the dairy industry more than than the sheep and beef industry, is that we've just got a huge amount of debt um, sitting sitting on our farms, which means people who would normally be looking for opportunities um, and, and be be there to to maybe expand their operations. Some of our better operators are already so. Um, um, are already really, you know, in a lot of cases at their maximum debt level, so they're just not able to um, to take these opportunities. And you know, that that's a real challenge um, for our industry in general. Um, becoming over indebted um, is limiting the ability to, um, I guess, um, yeah, realize realize opportunities really, because there's just um, it, it gets really it gets really tough. Um, and you know you don't want to be in the situation where it's you know it's a bank dictating how you run your farm, not not um, not yourself, because the bank has a bigger share in the farm than, than you do. So you know that is that is one of our real challenges um, at you know at the moment. Um, and you know the only real real solution is is um, reducing those debt levels over time, which means other people coming into the industry that have that have more equity really so you know that's 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 a restricting factor um at the moment for there yeah so do you see the um restriction of banks um lending and stuff um becoming a long-term challenge or do you see um this challenge of um high debt just being a short-term Thing, or will it depend on the COVID situation? Um, I guess the COVID situation is not helping things because it, it means farm gate prices have, have come back and it makes it harder to, to clear the debt. I mean, the debt has built up over a really long, long period of time. And, um, you know, and it's, I mean, for instance, I can really only talk for, for our bank, but certainly like lending policies haven't changed at all um, as, in recent times, they've probably been similar to how they have been for about about six years or so. Um, some of the other banks may have, you know, changed policies more recently than than, than we certainly have. Um, but the challenge is that you know the sectors are over indebted, and lending more money isn't 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 really the solution um, to to fixing that problem. Um, it's it's more. It, it's, I mean, these banks are always going to be there to um, help through ups and downs. And, you know, the COVID situation is one of our, you know, our, our downs that we see in, in that, that sort of, um, I guess that's shorter term funding. Um, but in the situation, if, if a farmer's already overly indebted, um, lending more doesn't necessarily fix the problem. Um, so, yeah, that, that, that is a, that is, you know, is a real challenge at the moment with, with, with how things have got, um, and it's you know it, in a lot of cases you know the, the banks haven't helped the situation at all either by being you know take it go back sort of five or ten years they're pretty willing to lend money, um, but I think it's you know you always got to sit, sit 
sit back and, and understand it's it's your own business and you can you should get advice and you should get as much advice as you can but you've got to also remember that at the end of the day the advice you get from your accountant or your, your farm advisor or your bank they're, they're not taking on the level of the risk that you are as, as your business owner um, when you are taking on extra debt um, sure the bank takes on, on, on some risk but you know there's whole teams of people who sit there and calculate risk and, and certainly the risk that the banks take on isn't as great as the risk that you take on as an individual um, so I think we've been too reliant and we're not really necessarily um, always got the right advice in the past and being too reliant on, on just you know things will get better um, and not looking at, at cash flow situations um, and you know that that has definitely changed um and you know i don't think um i don't think it'll go back you know how it was which you know it wasn't right when it was like that so it's it, i would be really disappointed if we actually saw things go back that way um i mean certainly from my, my own personal perspective i was in in the bank um as a as a relationship manager lending money about 20 years ago um, I then went off and did lots of other things and then came back into the role I'm in um, about 18 months ago and I, I was quite shocked when I came back at the difference in the attitude to lending um, in that in that time period it had changed completely um, you know interest only lending was becoming you know was the norm in a lot of cases rather than the exception um, yeah things had changed a lot and I was you know even though I'd been involved in the industry I just didn't realize quite how far things had changed through that time that's been quite interesting so if um, lending is going to be a limitation or a challenge um, for the next six to twelve months what are some other opportunities um, you see um, for farmers? Yeah, I, I guess it's, um, I think it now's a really good time to, you know, sit back and really assess your business um, and, and think about the bigger trends in terms of where, where things are going and how well your business is, is lined up. For that, I mean, some of the regulations that we're seeing around on the environmental side might not be fully vetted in yet, but I think we've all got a reasonable idea where things are likely to go and what things that on our individual farms um, that we feel really comfortable with, that we know we're doing a really good job and, and what areas that we could probably do a little bit better on. Um, and so I think, um, you know, thinking about things in, in that sense, um, Getting involved in, you know, groups, discussion groups, catchment groups that are talking about these things um, and, and becoming, um, I guess, really well skilled up on where the risks lie and understanding is going to really help um, everyone, everyone going forward. Um, and in terms, and, and that also, you know, if you can, if you are borrowing money and you can go to the bank with a really good story and a really good understanding of your risks, well, that's actually, from a, from a bank's perspective, that reduces, you know, our risk because we know you understand your risks. So that's, if that makes sense, it, you know, it makes it easier um, to lend money to people who know exactly, fully understand their business um, and all, all the risks that, they have whether they're you know where where they sit in the financial term how you know how their 
how you can manage your business during during um, years where land prices aren't quite as as strong as you know we would love them to be. Um, do, you know how we're going to manage through you know how exposed our, our own farms are to you know to physical risk whether things like flooding or, or other things that just having a really good sense of, of that risk um, what your risk profile is and 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 what you can and can't do around it um, I think it you know not only it helps you in lending but it really empowers you to make decisions because then you know it, it's much easier to make decisions when you've really sort of thought through um, where things where things um, where things lie in terms of opportunities and risks and it's you know it's not like um, at the moment funding's not available to people it's just there's a lot of people who's who, who already have enough debt um, but there will be some really good opportunities for you know for for people who aren't in that situation too so absolutely um, keep the questions coming in guys um, we've got we'll have one more question then we'll go on to the third um, section so in your opinion um, will COVID or the new environmental rules have more influence on profit to farmers? Um, I mean, I think really the new environmental rules are going to be, you know, that, that's a much more long-term situation um, than, than COVID is. COVID is a, you know, it, it's one of these um, market risks that crop up regularly um, sure it's really widespread this time and and we're all really aware of it and it's and it's kind of a weird shock because it's a shock that um, it, you just about sort of saw it coming in the sense that you know you, this disease was existing in Wuhan and then it spread and it spread a bit further and we all knew that it was going to get to you know different parts of the world at some point um, but just didn't know quite how how big um, and you know how how that would would play out, and we can kind of you know we can kind of forecast this economic shock coming through. Whereas most of the time, you know, something happens and it's it's totally the unexpected. Um, so in in that sense, you know, it is it's really affecting us mainly in in the sense of um, you know returns um, over over the next few years. But you know, food returns certainly haven't been as hit as hard as as some other sectors. So it's it's. Whereas the environmental side, I mean, I don't, I, I kind of think of the environmental side, not so much on the regulations that are being put in place here, but really, um, it, it's really around people's choices have, have, have started to change um, in life and people's values. And that's, um, that's kind of the bigger picture. The regulations are going to influence, you know, are, are definitely having an influence and, and some of the regulations have come out and, and been written in a way that, you know, it doesn't feel like it sort of really, they really fully, fully understand um, the impacts. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, they've been written to try and reflect people's values going forward, you know, values of, of New Zealanders in general and also, you know, the values of those um, those consuming our products but you know I would far rather see um, behaviors being driven by um, incentives and understanding consumers rather than by a, a regulation because I think that you know for all of us that's a lot more motivating than just having having a you know a regulation in place I'm sure there'll be a bit of both um, but I think you know the opportunity really is here is is around um, linking into those um, 
those values of our international consumers and, and being able to um, get, I mean, re realize a lot of that value that, you know, at the moment I see is just being, being left and it's not, not there. Absolutely. Um, you mentioned that you predict an economic downfall. Um, I was just wondering how, how do we plan for that? How do we make sure that our businesses are resilient to the economic downfall and, um, and who do we go to for advice about planning for that? Yeah, I mean, it's always, um, I guess, planning for a, a, a recession, you know, when the recession's already happening is probably, you know, never ideal, but um, <laughs> it's, and I, I think it really comes back um, to trying to leave a little bit of room in our budgets um, for things that don't always go right. I think, you know, as farmers, we're generally pretty, we're very optimistic people in terms of how, how things are going to go. And sometimes we need that sort of op optimism and resilience to cope because there's a lot thrown at us. But um, what, um, you know, if we, if we kind of understand, I think it's really understanding, um, you know, where our where our opportunities are and where our risks are on farm and and not pushing everything absolutely to the limit all, all the time in terms of finances will does certainly help um, through the periods um, when you know when things aren't aren't as strong um, but yeah it, it really you know the risks are a lot wider than you know just financial risks you know there is there is you know there's there's risks like burning out because we're working too hard, but it's, um, they're, they're, and it's really hard to balance that against, you know, um, working hard to reduce financial risks as well. So there's, you know, there's some real, there's some real challenges, but I think the more we can think about our businesses and, and, and the bigger picture and discuss those with other people, um, the better. Um, so, I mean, there is, there is plenty of people, you know, able able to give advice. Um, some advice will obviously be better than better than others. Um, but I think getting a lot of different people's opinions is, is really helpful. And I think it's also really helpful to to look for opinions that might not fully line up with your own, and and try and understand things from other people's perspectives. Um, because I think if we just surround ourselves with the people who think exactly like us. It does. It means we're a little bit blinded to some to to some of these other challenges. Um, so, for instance, on that on the um, like on the environmental side, I mean, I'm I'm quite lucky to have um, someone who lives just down the road from me here, who's a who's a vegetarian, lives on a lifestyle block, will never will never kill an animal that's on the block, and has um, and hates big corporates. So um, you can imagine, as a farmer, and I'm working for ANZ, um, we our views are pretty. Um, they don't line up on many things, to be honest. But it's real. I find it actually really quite refreshing to see things through their eyes because it gives you a sense of you know there's that group of people that you don't interact with all the time, um, and and how they're viewing things. And I think that's really helpful for our businesses. Um, uh, you know, on a regular basis to just see things through other people's eyes because then it, it, it puts things into perspective a little bit, little bit better. Um, oh yeah. But yeah, certainly look for advice. Um, and, you know, advice that comes from a lot of different, different, different places. Um, and, you know, the more, 
the more advice you seek and the more you discuss things and be willing to discuss your own situations and, and things that you find hard with other people is, is where we actually have the opportunities to, um, to move forward. Um, what, what is one key thing that you would absolutely have in a plan and that you'd implement as soon as you could? Um, in terms of, I mean, I think, um, I mean, the one thing that always comes back to me is a really around our, our, our financial understanding of our businesses. And I think we can, there's a, I mean, there's a huge range of, of how well people understand their, their, their finances. But um, I mean, it's certainly an area that, you know, across New Zealand in general, not even just in farming, but, you know, across New Zealand in general, I think, you know, understanding, understanding the finances, understanding the risks, um, and being able to put those into perspective um, is something we can all really, really benefit from. Um, and you mentioned that um, that keeping yourself well is just as important as having a plan or having something in place. So um, what's something that you would um, recommend people doing to keeping themselves mentally and physically um, well to be able to make those informed decisions? Well, I'm probably not the one to advise on the physical side because um, I'm the, the person who doesn't ever do exercise. No, sorry. <laughs> in terms of, um, in those, those sections, I think we, you know, we are all different, but we need to all recognise where our triggers are and, and not be afraid to say no to things. And I think, you know, to, or at least I find from my own perspective, you know, it's that, that saying no to some things is, is quite quite hard to do, um, but it's really, really an important to be able to do it. Um, in some ways, you know, th through the lockdown period, I found it quite refreshing in, in the fact that you didn't, I didn't feel like I had to go out and meet with friends and things on a regular basis because, um, because we, we couldn't. So it was quite refreshing to be able to just say, oh, you know, have a really good excuse not to, not to do it. But um, you know, I certainly learned from that is, it, you know, at times I should say no to certain things because, it, you know, you get overloaded, um, overloaded with things and then, you, you know, you can't, you can't really enjoy what you're doing. Um, I have to say now I'm pretty desperate to get out more and interact with people more again because it's sort of gone the other way a little bit. But I think we all, um, you know, we all do have different um, different ways of coping. But I think the thing I've found the most was was learning to say no to things, which isn't isn't the easiest thing. Um, and and um, but yeah, 